You are now listening to Feeding Off Each Other. <laughs> Welcome to another podcast here in a very special location today. We are in the middle of a active construction zone. It's very active. I hear sawing and nailing and talking. Like the most unideal place to do a podcast. Welcome. This is Feeding Off Each Other, the show where we chat to people way more interesting than ourselves in hopes of stealing some of their sweet, sweet knowledge and talent. I need speaking lessons, vocal lessons, apparently. I'm Matt Dennison, and I'm joined by the man with two first names, Jason Lucas. <laughs> Three first names. Three first names. Yeah. Jason Donald Lucas. Yeah, all, they could all be a first name if you want it. Very confusing. <laughs> or last name. It's true. Did, you, did your parents just like throw a bunch of first names into a bucket and just pull them? I think so. I don't think there's much thought there. <laughs> and I'm also joined by someone with a normal name. Proper yep. first name, proper last name, David Wiggins. That's me. Welcome to the pod. And uh, we have a different setup. We're on couches. Very comfortable. And uh, we, sh- we just got to get right into this uh, because we have so much to talk about today. But Dave, do you have a fun fact for us today? I do have a fun fact, and it's uh, related to the location we're in. We are in a, a former Sears um, it's been torn apart. This is actually where I used to get my childhood family photos done. And, uh, I once got lost here and my mom had to get the announcer lady to <laughs> another two podcasts yeah. in a row with stories about you getting lost. Yeah. So a lot of nostalgia here. Uh, so Sears fun fact from 1908 to 1940, Sears sold over 70,000 mail order homes coming in over 370 different styles like a house yeah Yeah, so you would like you would have like a little pamphlet that shows up a little like order form that shows up at your house or maybe you don't even have a house wherever you live yeah and you would order a house it was between 650 and 2500 dollars for a house yeah (laughs) i thought tiny homes were a new thing no no they were regular sized homes and they would (laughs) ship them via the railway and they would just show up somewhere and then you would just build, most people just built their own house like with their family and friends, kind of like erecting a barn. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. But they, Sears destroyed all the sales records. So they don't actually know which houses in the States and there's some in Canada, which ones were Sears houses. Like the, the records are, are, are gone. Why, why would they destroy the records? Cor- <laughs> Sorry, everybody, for the noise. Welcome like to I the said, Sears podcast. We are in an active construction zone, and yes, there are people drilling and sawing and doing all sorts of things, but yeah. that's the charm of today's podcast. Yeah, they destroyed it. Just, uh, I think corporations just do that sometimes. Hmm. They just kind of call. Really? Tax evasion. I think I should do that tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> just start shredding all your documents. Yeah, I'm used to shredding. Yeah. All right, guys. That, Dave? That was a wonderful fact. Thank, Thank you. you for sharing. Thank you. I really like when the facts tie into the theme of the podcast and they're not just about raining cats and dogs and other <laughs> nonsense, you know. People loved that one. That was a good, a good fact. But uh, moving on from the, the facts, mm-hmm. let's introduce our guest today. Shall we? Mm-hmm. We shall. All right. Today, we're in for a treat because we will be feeding off of a real OG of the mountain bike world. You could call this guest many things, such as a trail builder, a guide, a coach, a race course director, a business owner, perhaps even a pro mountain biker. 
If you don't already know him as the co-owner of Endless Biking here on the North Shore, you may know him from the very first season of Drop-In TV. That's right. The legendary mountain bike TV series that launched in 2002. I definitely grew up watching this TV series, eating my cereal in the mornings before school. Jason? Mm -hmm. I watch this religiously. No. And if you were, no, Dave, no. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't ask you, Dave. You'd watch it. Did you even see it on in the no, TV guide? <laughs> no, I accidentally misread this as Dolphin TV moments ago, so that shows my familiarity. No, no, Drop In TV. And uh, if you folks listening out there are one of the lucky people who did watch Drop In, you'll likely already know that today's guest holds the high honor of having one of the gnarliest, life-changing mountain bike crashes ever caught on film which I'm sure we'll dive into later. But first, we're going to talk with our guests all about where we're sitting right now, the home of the future North Shore Bike Park, a gigantic indoor bike park slated to open this year. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the pod, Darren Butler. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me here, guys. How was the uh, introduction? Did I introduce you well? Miss some details there? That oh, was great. I loved it. We got some uh, some facts in there. We got some authenticity about the location, and uh, I love it. You know, when it's unscripted, and we just uh, get to hear what you're rolling out there, and uh, it's all good. I didn't mention. That's pretty neat. I didn't mention you're a vice president. That sounds pretty cool. Like I said, you can call me many things. I yeah. wear uh, many hats, and yeah. I do have many hats. <laughs> Did I miss anything uh, that the people should know about you? Uh, layers, you layers and layers and layers, lots. We, we got to spend some time together yeah. to get to know it all, right? All it's right. a good start. Let's get into this onion then. <laughs> um, yeah, let's waste no time. Let's get right into where we are. Well, we're uh, inside the future of the North Shore Bike Park, Matt. Very exciting. It feels like an empty um, department uh, store that you, to me. I like to think of it as more of a blank canvas, but, uh, you know, to each, to each their own. I mean, technically that is what it is, is it's a sole department store, but we just see it as a blank canvas and just waiting to have its art applied. Yeah. So what's happening right now? Nothing. There's nothing going on at all. <laughs> I hear a lot of banging. <laughs> this is nothing. I see some people. Uh, we're just, uh, we're actually just getting set up, getting ready to dive into it and, uh, uh, getting comfortable, getting the tools set up, getting the crew ready, checking the layout. I mean, it all started with a with a doodle. Uh, sorry, another introduction. My dog Timber here is uh, hanging out. Hopefully, he'll uh, behave himself. Uh, but yeah, what we're doing right now is we're just getting everything laid out, testing things, uh, shapes, measurements, layouts. I mean, ultimately, this thing starts with an idea, goes into a doodle. The doodle becomes digital and then from digital becomes 3d and then it goes into blueprints and then you got to bring the blueprints back into the floor plan and actually walk it through the site and see if it actually fits and it actually works and then just identifying some of those uh those challenging zones right where we might have to make some adjustments if things don't fit but so far so good everything's fitting pretty good but uh we're definitely going to make some adjustments and massage a few uh spots along the way so we're testing out some numbers, testing out some shapes, testing out some features, seeing what's going to work good for when it's uh, go time, get this thing going on. What I'm sure the people want to know, what's going in the space? Like, what is the North Shore Bike Park going to be? Uh, the North Shore Bike Park will be Western Canada's largest indoor bike park, uh, 65,000 square feet of indoor awesomeness. Uh, open from 9 in the morning till 10 at night, chance to come and uh, ride your bike, regardless of uh, your level. 
So trying to make sure that we've got something that's super fun, uh, super progressive, uh, it's perpetual, and really we're just envisioning a, a great community space that we get to share here with the community of uh, North Shore, uh, really and beyond. We know there'll be visitors coming in to uh, frequent it, and we're just trying to make sure that it's uh, it's open, available, and uh, accessible to as many people as possible. So what, what is your role on the team? Uh, like I said, I, I've got a few hats, Matt. and yeah. uh, <laughs> They're all flat-brimmed. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't wear a flat-brim hat very often. I was going to say, normally you wear a fedora, don't you? <laughs> it's actually a pork pie. <laughs> I'm sorry. So there's your fun fact of the day. Okay, is yeah, you that should have been in the intro. Look up the difference between a fedora and a pork pie. I'm a huge pork pie fan, mm. uh, where the brim is flipped up all the way around. A fedora has a little... In right, the front. <laughs> right. Yeah. Easy to tell the difference now. But uh, yeah, just my, uh, my job hat, I seem to default to the uh, flat brim hat. So I do have some flat brim <laughs> hats. And uh, other fact of the day is I have a large head. So not all hats fit me. Mm. What size uh, on a fitted hat? Uh, the one size fits most does not fit. <laughs> First thing I do is grab scissors. Uh, 60 centimeters is usually pretty nice. But it uh, depends on how I want it to fit, you know. But uh, what, what do you do with the scissors? Uh, start cutting out the bits, the, you know, the elastic band, okay. start hacking it all up oh, so that wow, it can okay. actually like open up and oh, wow. get on the head. <laughs> gotta let it breathe. <laughs> you gotta let it breathe. Jason, you got a pretty big dome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> Taking a pa pair of scissors to a hat? Uh, no, I've never, you gotta show me that technique. I've never, I usually just don't get the hat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I often decline as well because I know it's not gonna fit, but I'll, I'll sneak in one more. Uh, quick fact of the day one time i was in an industry party and they were offering out a prize for whoever have the biggest head and i'm you know i'm just laying in the back and of course like you know someone's giving me the nudge nudge and you know this guy this guy this guy and so finally somebody nudged me forward like this guy's got the biggest head here for sure so they pull out the tape measure they measure it up yeah it's it's the running leader for the largest head and then i'll give you one guess as to who comes out of the crowd I, I think I know. Brad Tippy, of course. That guy probably had you beat. So, by an inch. <laughs> by an inch in the circumference around the head. And then steps up a gentleman from Bike Magazine. Can't remember his name right now, but he put another inch on Tippy's. Oh, my gosh. Massive head. Oh so God. we're not quite there. <laughs> Those guys, if they came in here, they don't even need to wear a hard hat. <laughs> I like to think it's, you know, built-in padding from all the years of, you know, whacking myself and bumping myself. You know, it's like a guitar player's uh, callous mm -hmm. fingers, you know? It's all skull. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, though, what is the role here? Yeah. All jokes aside. I wear a few different roles. Okay. I am, I am, uh, I started as one of the, one of the advisors was doing some consultancy. Uh, shaping the park, uh, helping craft and curate a park, but ultimately I'm in charge of the, the ride division. So I'm helping oversee the design of the park, uh, making sure that it's cool, that it's fun, that it's creative, that it's progressive, that it works for our audience, uh, that's going to work for coaching, it's going to work for the operations. So obviously I have a few different hats to be able to wear and can uh, touch on different elements of the industry, but that's really my role that I'm slotting into here. So uh, you could say I'm a middle point between our project manager and our build crew and our build team. Um, build team might have other, other, uh, other ideas of what hat I wear, you know, we're, uh, constantly getting in there and just every single shape, every single, um, detail 
uh, within that model, within the blueprint. We're scrutinizing, we're questioning, we're challenging, we're building it, we're shaping it just to make sure that we got it right. So I'll be helping keep things on track, but also make sure that everything's shaped and crafted and curated in the, the way that uh, we hope and we envision with the North Shore Bike Park. Yeah. How do you go about choosing, this is a stupid question, how do you go about choosing what to build? You have this massive space, you can build jumps, pump tracks, airbags, skinnies from the North Shore. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, through a lot of market research and I guess a lot of awareness and through my time in the the industry uh, with coaching, guiding, events, you know, just participation as an athlete gives me a lot of different perspective, different ways to be able to see things. Um, I have a bike park in my yard in the Kootenays as well, where I live part-time. So I get a sense of, of what people have fun riding, uh, where people are challenged to ride, uh, get a good sense of uh, what works well for teaching, what doesn't work well for teaching, and then ultimately just considering our environment. You know, we're here on the North Shore. we got trails available all year long. So uh, do we want to build the exact same thing that's out there in the trails? Of course not. You know, we don't want to replicate what's out there on the trails. We'd like to complement it and work well. So we're trying to take some inventory of what we do have, uh, what could benefit the local riding scene around here. And um, ultimately that helps us craft, you know, the, uh, the design that we have. So um, there once was talk of 60... 5,000 square foot of skinnies and you know that didn't last very long oh. <laughs> yeah, I would have showed up I would have loved that there, I spent a lot of time at the Richmond bike park and there's one little skinny zone there and within that skinny zone there's one skinny that's like the width of a tire every time I'm there I gotta hit that once for sure we'll definitely have a few challenges there'll definitely be a few uh, skinnies in the house but you know okay, from right. a business model this is uh, what the people want to know yeah I mean we uh, you know we want to build something that we think people would would be interested in riding okay and uh, we want to give everyone the feel goods and uh, but we also want to give them the opportunity to try and ride some different terrains so by absolute by all means you know there'll be a skinny or two in the house we'll have that funky challenge for you there matt okay but, excellent uh, excellent and uh, the cool thing is is that we're building up the park in the downstairs portion of the facility um but we do have access to a rooftop and uh, there's no limitations up there so uh, there'll be some pretty cool special events that we'll be having so uh, this is just you know one layer of the package that you're seeing here yeah, that's super cool. The upstairs, outside, can you, what can you have up there? Do you know yet? Do you know all the kind of limitations? Can you have dirt jumps up there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, really the limitations are as long as it's not a permanent install. Okay. Oh. Right? So um, that leaves a lot of room for interpretation. I think the uh, rooftop could be the skinny zone. I'm just throwing <laughs> it. Let me know if you want me to be on the board, if you want yeah. me to be, you know, I can wear hats too. Let me oh, know. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. We'll definitely have some uh, some input on the skinny zone, and and ultimately in the the design of the park here, um, we've tried to make sure that all the levels are accommodated, but we've also tried to make sure that we don't fill every single square foot. We want to make sure that there's some breathing space uh, in some of the skills parks that I've been to over the years. I do find there's a tendency to to just maximize every every little spot available, and sometimes it affects the user experience. You know, you got kids uh, of all ages going all different directions, all different times. And uh, this is one thing I've noticed as an instructor. Uh, sometimes you go into these parks, there's not a lot of room to just stage group or 
collect a group or, you know, work on a particular thing. Mm. And uh, so we just want to make sure that there is some breathing space, but we also want to leave some room to add some things, add some flavor, you know, touch it up, top it up a little bit, so to speak. So where are we sitting right now? What zone are we in? We're... Uh, the bathroom. <laughs> no, we're actually on this really sweet berm in the advanced pump truck. Ooh. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So we are uh, near the the lipstick door, we'll call it right now. <laughs> Our temporary door outside is covered in lipstick, which is pretty funny. And uh, so where you would walk, it's not our main entrance, but it's where it's heavily visible from inside the mall, the un, the unmentionable mall. Yeah, we're not allowed to... Uh, <laughs> There's there's some complications. We're not allowed to mention exactly where <laughs> yeah. we are, but uh, you know maybe you can gather the clues within this podcast and figure it out. It is the North Shore Bike Park. That's correct. Mm-hmm. So That's there's limited mm-hmm. options. <laughs> Sears was a pretty good giveaway. It's not the Lynn Valley Mall. Um, <laughs> quite, quite, quite. Oh, Leave okay. them. Make it a challenge at least. Oh. I mean, it might be the Lynn Valley Mall. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Got him. Got him. Anyways, where, when you come in from the food court, uh, you'll get some great visuals here. You'll be able to walk into the mall. After you get your nails done. You'll be able to uh, <laughs> see the advanced pump track. You'll see a bunch of the main showtime lines coming down into the park. And then uh, you'll be able to walk over to the, the main entrance, which is uh, on the other side of the mall. Or the other side of the, uh, the park, sorry. The uh, east side. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. So we, we were lucky enough to get to take a look at the blueprints and I don't know how much you want to reveal or give away, but uh, there's, besides the, the, the biking aspects, there's some cool kind of ideas that you have thrown around right now. One in particular that I thought was really fun is the stage. Yeah, we got a stage. Like I said, we'd like to make sure that we got all the layers in there. Uh, so yes, we have a lounge uh, with a stage for a band and a liquor license. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty. You have my attention now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know, we're trying to make sure <laughs> that is. the uh, the family sorted, and uh, okay. uh, parents will be able to hang out in the lounge. Uh, I mean, they could even act like the band, perhaps, uh, if they'd like. But they can watch their kids ride right in the. Uh, the there's three different zones that will be uh, viewable from that area, so it'd be uh, be a great spot where parents can come and drop off the kids and just let them get their shred on, having a great time. That's super cool. I want to see Thomas Lemoyne play a show here. Uh, yeah. You know Thomas Lemoyne? I know of him, but yeah. I don't know him personally, and I did not know, is he a musician? Is he a musician? He's a rapper. Lemoyne, I believe. Lemoyne. Lemoyne, yeah. How did you know that, Dave? Good to know. <laughs> I'm in the scene. Don't you guys? <laughs> you was, was at Crankworks. I was at Crankworks. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Well, we are uh, certainly hoping to have some bands play here over the years, so uh, it would be great to... Uh, bring some of the musicians out of the uh, mountain bike world and uh, put them on stage. Have nice. you heard of Ditch Cobra? <laughs> oh, yeah, Ditch Cobra. Yeah, no, tell me more. <laughs> it's good uh, up and coming. Yeah, they have one song. <laughs> one song. Um, Is that oh. your band, Dave? It's, it's our band. <laughs> we, nice. we made a song. It's called New Bike Day. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, our, uh, our fake band name, well, we call it a fake band, but the band name was Ditch Cobra. It's play on words from Pit Viper. <laughs> we just swap words. So what, what, what makes it a fake band, Matt, as opposed to a real band? Well, that's a good question. It's kind of a question that we ask ourselves, really. I mean, if you're making the if you're making the music, oh yeah, you, see, you, there's you, your first. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't. 
many elements of the music we did make. We actually right. played the guitars. Uh, Dave didn't actually didn't play, play the, the drums. We he played the drums on screen, though. Uh, Dave does screen. play oh, the drums. Oh, the other guy was way better than oh, me, Oh, boy. Here, the curtain's being pulled back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we go. Yeah. And then Haley, our friend Haley, she was the bassist, but she didn't play the bass either yeah. in the song. And <laughs> oh, everything's crumbling. <laughs> the facade is over. Yeah, but it will, maybe I'll come and uh, do a uh, I Only Ride Park performance. That seems mm -hmm. applicable in the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that would, that would be sweet. I'll do an interpretive dance. Though. Any uh, any musicians in the uh, mountain bike crowd? You got a band in the making or that already exists? Definitely uh, get in touch. Stay in tune. Oh god, come hit that stage. Oh god, after Matt or before Matt? Ditch Cobra. <laughs> a lot of costume changes <laughs> for the one song. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, where where do, where does this whole like if you're here with your bike, where do you start? Where's the 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 kind of the drop in, I guess you'd call it. No pun intended. Um, I guess for people watching this podcast, that's really gonna. That's the only way this is helpful. But yeah. maybe you can kind of point out to the people watching where you start and kind of come through here. Sure. I had a little moment there where I was wondering how I was going to talk with my hands. The audio presentation of this. Yeah. But, uh, well, we're just we're leading people to our YouTube right now. So. Well, I mean, that's the uh, you know the current state of uh, podcast. You know, you get the video to go with it. Yeah, there and you it, go. Uh, adds an, adds a neat layer. So uh, you'll enter over here, which is on the east side, and you'll come in the door, take a right, you'll check in with the reception operations area, get your rental bike if you need, there's your washroom, get kitted up with some lockers and things there. And then at that point, you, you kind of have a, an option is you can go into a toddler zone, which is right in front of the lounge. Uh, it's a bit of a flex space and a, and a space designed for little, little riders, run bikes, that type of thing. At that point, you can also take option number two and go into what we call our light green zone. Uh, the toddler track, if you would. Uh, this is going to be actually a really cool little circuit where you'll be able to start and finish at the lounge. Um, it's adaptive, bike-friendly. It's a fun little flow loop. It does have a little uh, oval track within it as well. And um, then that will return you really back to where you were. And there's also an entrance to the green zone. And the green zone has a couple different track options as well so there's an outer track on the green zone there's an inner track on the green zone uh to be able to include some corners some flow so even just in that green zone that you access right off the bat there's you know four or five different options for you right there and everything connects perpetually so you can just flow one right into the other and once you've had enough of flowing through the green zone uh, you can then, instead of taking a right, at one point you can fade left and you make your way up onto the plaza. And then now you can go into the uh, jump zone, which would be in the center. So this is kind of the, uh, the party time, fun time line. And there's going to be some green jumps, some light blue jumps, some dark blue jumps, uh, all the way down here with an elevation loss. In through some elevated berms and you'll actually return back with some elevation loss so it's going to be super cool we're trying to make sure that riders never come down to flat ground and lose all their momentum so we're trying to make sure they carry on the flow so we essentially have the green zone over here we got the uh the blue zone party time zone in the middle and then over on the far side of the park uh, that's where a black zone is uh, and that will also include the the jump zone uh, which will include a flat airbag and a sloped airbag and uh, some fun other features. And then here in this space, 
This is kind of our flex space that's going to go around the park. Um, we want to keep that open. A couple of things we want to keep it open is, let's be honest, sometime at an event, we might want to have a skid party. Uh, you might want to have a wheelie contest. Maybe you want to have some limbo. You know, maybe you want to have some yard games. You know, maybe you want to chuck some things. Um, foot down. Yeah. Foot down. <laughs> yep. But no, we're going to have some, uh, some flex features and eventually we'll build in a bit of an urban element as well. Uh, so this will kind of evolve into a little bit of our street zone as well, uh, fitting in some of the skinnies. So we're trying to make sure that this space is well utilized, but there's also flexibility so we can adjust it based on the types of events that are in here and uh, the day-to-day -day users. But we've essentially broken it out into a green zone, blue zone, black zone, uh, fun zone. We've tried to separate the coaching zones so that if there's ever classes going on and people want to come ride in the park, they're not really impacted by those classes. Uh, and vice versa. So coaches can do their coaching thing with their students and, and kind of isolate their group and keep them safe. And uh, those who are just coming to ride the park and have a great time will be able to do that as well. That's awesome. We talked a bit about how you decided what to build. You said market research. What does that mean? Did you go to a bunch of parks and check them out? Talk to people? Yeah, we did all of these things. We went to uh, uh, we went to as many indoor parks as we could throughout North America. And we actually uh, been we've had open dialogue with a lot of the park owners about what their usership is like. Uh, some of the other parks even have counters on their site. So you can actually see how many people are there. Some of the parks have cameras in their parks. So um, you can actually see what's going on there at any given moment. Um, so we talked to a lot of the park owners, uh, both locally, regionally, and even, uh, you know, as far away as we could find just anyone is willing to, to share beta. Uh, of course, like we've been working on this for about a year. So over the last year, we've been just chatting with people and, and even in, in hindsight, like they might, they might have not realized at the time that they were a part of market you, research. You, <laughs> you lured them into a trap. <laughs> yeah, we lured them in and, and we just try to get a sense of like what, what people would be into and, and what they lack. Um, you know, I'm a coach. I'm a guide, uh, you know, I'm an event uh, producer and manager, but I'm also a risk manager, but I'm also a parent, right? So even, even been able to chat with other parents, like some of the barriers that they face. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work, uh, both personally and even as a company, just about accessibility, inclusivity of the sport. So being able to reach outside of some of our traditional markets to see what would make a space like this more appealing and more accessible uh, has been a super valuable part as well. So really just trying to take in all of these different elements, um, whether it's pro riders, whether it's pro coaches, whether it's, you know, pro parents or, uh, or even people who've never ridden a bike before. I mean, we have, um, we've met people through our business, Endless Biking, that, you know, they've pulled up in front of our store and sat in their car on three different occasions trying to get up enough nerve to walk in the door because they wanted to try out mountain biking, get into mountain biking. And there was this barrier for them of like, when I open that door, am I going to be cool enough? Uh, good news is they opened the door, they walked in and we, you know, we greet them with open arms and sometimes even a hug. And uh, you know, this particular person's very actively involved in the mountain bike community today. So <laughs> uh, Dave, I'm glad you opened the door. I'm glad you made it <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah. But you know, it's these, it's these, it's these stories. Uh, you know, it's these stories that we have, and I feel like the perspective that I have from 
you know, being a pro rider to being a coach, but then also just being in touch with, um, you know, all different elements of our audience and our potential demographic to see uh, what it is that people want to ride and what we think people would pay for. Why do you think, because when we were growing up mountain biking, I remember it rained so much here. We were like, we need an indoor park. Why isn't, and this is like the classic, why isn't anyone making an indoor park? And mm -hmm. really, you should probably take that responsibility on yourself sometimes, but why hasn't this happened yet on the show? Or yeah, why in, didn't you build an indoor bike park, Jason? I don't know. I was 14 and I had 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need, right? <laughs> I'm 30 and I have 25 cents. Um, no, but that's like, you see that everywhere, right? Like there was demand for it, I think. But in the lower mainland, there's really, there's obviously Air Rec in Maple Ridge, but yeah. no one's built one in the shore or Squamish or Kynan Whistler, but not really. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I, ultimately, I just think the, the timing just wasn't right for it. I mean, if you look at our, um, our community that we live in, North Vancouver, uh, really expensive real estate, um, you know, cost of doing business is, is obviously really, really high. Uh, cost of real estate is really high. Uh, so when we actually started our business, Endless Biking, 19 years ago, part of our dream and our original plan was to actually have an indoor training facility, and that was something that we pursued uh, back in the day. But the reality of it is there's very few spaces that are available, that are suitable, they cost a fortune. And uh, to be honest with you, like 20 years ago, I'm not sure the market was ready for it yet. I'm not sure the market was mature enough for it. So now... Uh, over the last 20 years, we've seen this continued growth of the sport, continued interest of the sport, continued progression of the sport. So now I think there's a larger audience. Uh, I think there's more of an appetite for it. There's more of an interest uh, in the sport. And as that's growing, people are also starting to realize some of the barriers within the sport, you know, and some of the challenges to, uh, to get into it or even just get out there on the mountains. So... It's one of the things that it really excites us about this project is just bringing the, the barrier to entry down and just making it really, really accessible, uh, being able to give the sport a mountain biking or even just biking a try. So uh, to answer your question, I think it was just the, the timing. You know, it's, it's something that the, you, could, you could probably find a bunch of people on the shore. It's like, oh, I was dreaming of this. I was dreaming of this. Uh, uh, someone else I know in the industry actually almost opened an indoor park about 10 years ago a small one just off uh, Welsh Street in North Van. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it just, just didn't happen. Like I said, the stakes are high. Real estate cost a fortune, and it was a hard thing to do. You know, at one point, we had somebody willing to help us uh, at Endless build an indoor facility, uh, but that involved moving Endless to uh, a more industrial part of the lower mainland, such as uh, New Westminster. And with all due respect to New Westminster, um, it, it changes the feel of our business. You know, we're trying to get people out on the trails and having that accessibility to the trails is, is really important to us uh, as a business and the people who run it, but also our customers. And ultimately, uh, we just passed on the opportunity. And uh, sometimes, you, I guess we just got to be patient, got to wait for your chance. And uh, the opportunity presented itself about a year ago to become involved, and uh, we jumped on it. Well... There is an indoor bike park. There's the Air Rec Center, and it's a sweet place to ride your bike. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm seeing here is something that's a lot more different. This is feels like, like you said, the barrier to entry is lower. I feel like the Air Rec Center caters to a more advanced rider. Totally. Yeah. Even, even every time I go, like <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, these are. You gotta focus for these jumps, and it's awesome because you get a lot of air. You can do a lot of tricks, but I could see for less experienced riders, especially dirt jumping. It's a, 
it's a gnarly part of the sport. And there is a smaller line, but the options are, you know, there's a few options. Or may, maybe not even a few. There might be one option, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like you're trying to do something different here. Um, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you think is the difference between here and an existing park? Uh, I, I think you're onto something there, Matt, you know, and I can elaborate, uh, you know, we're big, air, big fans of air rec center. Uh, I think they built a great facility. Uh, but I think you're right. And, and, and a lot of these parks, and it's not just air rec and, and with all due respect, like what they've done is, is awesome. And, uh, what a lot of parks have done is really awesome. But one of the things that we're seeing is, you know, a lot of the parks really cater to that 10%. And I know countless riders who are really capable. In fact, most people would refer to them as sick shore riders, right? <laughs> they shred, right? And these are like really, really technical trails. And you put them out in an environment like that and they feel really uncomfortable. And, you know, it's no different than, you know, going to the skate park, Um you know, we, we did that back in the day, or you could even do that now. You show up at the skate park, it can be a little bit intimidating based on the audience that's there. Uh, you know, you look around, everyone's got experience, everyone knows what to do. You don't want to stand out. You don't want to do the wrong thing. And uh, we just want to break down some of those barriers. So we are building a park for the 80 to 90%. We're definitely considering the 10%. We want to make sure that we have some terrain for them, but our main focus is definitely the 90% of that market and just making sure that there is more accessibility, more people able to get into it, feel comfortable, progress through the steps and uh, hopefully build uh, more riders out to, you know, a a higher level as a result. And it seems like you're going to use the 10% to uh, do some of your testing here in the next couple of months. When is uh, testing going to start? Well, <laughs> have some riders come in and huck it. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's already testing, I mean, happening. There's, um, you know, the build crew is able to do some testing. We've got some skills on the build crew as well. And uh, we'll definitely do some testing. I mean, it's a little bit tricky because it does, at some point it morphs into a job site here. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you get into some of the... Um, the complexities of, of doing these things on a job site. But at the, at the same time, we, we want to get it right. And we want to make sure that it is really good. And we want to make sure that each and every feature is good. So even though we have a, you know, a model and a print, like one of the things you're seeing besi- b- behind us is a whole bunch of different shapes that we've just built with different formulas and different measurements just to actually see. So instead of, you know, having a passionate discussion about you know which number is the best for the radius yeah. or which number is the best for the difference our response and our strategy right now is let's build them both and let's try it and let's ride it and then let's let somebody else ride it and let's let somebody else try it and study how that's working uh, see what kind of trajectory they're getting see what kind of air they're getting see how they're feeling um, you know a good example back to some of these other parks um is my daughter. My daughter's 11 years old. She does like riding. She's into it. She's not a, um, you know, some people make an assumption, oh, because you're, you know, you ride and you're an established rider, therefore my kid must be into it. Like my daughter's into it, but she's not that into it. Um, she likes doing other activities. And because mountain biking is such a big part of our life, uh, we certainly don't want to push it on her. And uh, we just want to give her that opportunity to enjoy the sport, enjoy your time out there. But when I take her to some of these parks, uh, there's nothing for her to ride and she finds it intimidating. So uh, just that's a neat barrier to kind of break through and, and, and find that sweet spot where 
the kids are willing to give it a try. You know, someone new to the sports willing to give it a try, but also people that have that experience at six shore shredder who just wants to work on their jump in, uh, work on their sk- skills, get a bit of the feel gets going on. Then, uh, they'll have a spot to go to. So I know things change, but when are you opening and how much will it cost? Are you done yet? Are, are you guys, did you guys finish that build yet? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. I mean, it's, uh, the reality is we're, we're hoping to be open for spring. Um, when we originally built out the business model, we gave ourselves four months, sorry, we gave ourselves five months to do a four month build, uh, that involved us gaining access to this site, uh, October 1st, uh, that got pushed back to November and then it got pushed back to December. So we now have three months to do a four-month build. Uh, our target was spring break, so mid to late March. We're still aiming for that, but it is going to be intensive and it is going to be a bit of a push. Uh, so something that we're going to have to uh, make some adjustments to still try to accommodate that. And uh, no one's thrown in the towel. Um we're making some adjustments to our crew. You know, we'll probably get some some evening crews, some weekend crews, and just as we get going, as we get into a rhythm here, uh, figure out our sweet spot with our numbers. Uh, we'll be able to ramp up production. And uh, no pun intended. So at this point, good catch. <laughs> uh, um, at this point, I would say it's safe to say we'll be open in spring 2023. Beautiful. And how much will it cost? Uh, thanks for the uh, follow-up because you did ask me <laughs> that and I missed that. Uh, right now, I believe the model is $35 to be able to ride in the park. And that's for a day? Yeah, half day, full day, two hours, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's pay your 35 bucks. Come, go. Okay, folks, ride. and don't hold Darren to it if you heard the Feeding Off Each Other podcast in <laughs> December and you said it was 35 bucks. Things change, okay? Inflation. Inflation. Yeah, yeah for sure. So that's, yeah, right? uh, yeah and these, these things seem to get flushed out, but that's that's kind of the model. Of course, there'll be uh, there'll be passes. There'll be multi-use passes. There'll be season passes, those types of things. But that's uh, that's right in and around the, the, the marker that we're trying to hit. Awesome. Uh, are you guys going to do like laser tag on the off weekends or every other weekend? Because this is looking like the ultimate laser tag facility. Bike ever. laser tag? Hello. Bike laser tag? <laughs> There's going to be you so... got to have us on the board, Darren. <laughs> These ideas? <laughs> There's going to be lots of uh, auxiliary uses. We're really excited about the uh, just the, the community space that this, this is going to evolve into. So... Uh, we're genuinely really excited to get lots of these other activities happening in the in the off hours and um, you know even in hours, right? It's just trying to figure out the patterns of of when the busy times are, when the quiet times uh, are. But we definitely want to make sure that there's lots of activities and lots of fun. It's easy to want to make everything happen in a kind of a snap of the fingers. How do you stay patient and focused on the task at hand? You know, all the pressures <laughs> kind of increase. Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I don't know <laughs> how I manage it sometimes. I don't know how we manage it. But like life, you learn to just take it one step at a time. And, and you know, you can only control what you can control and uh, not stress about the stuff um, that you can't control too much. I'm also at the age where, you know, I've lost friends along the way. And uh, you learn to be grateful for each and every moment you have, each and every day that you have, and uh, and to celebrate it. So, um, really, we we enjoy the journey. You know, it is challenging. It is a roller coaster. 
Um, there's fires to put out all the time. Uh, there's always surprises, but uh, we like to think that if it was easy, you know, somebody would have done it. And uh, that was one thing that every single park owner said to us is, heads up, it's not going to be easy. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, we never disregarded it, and, uh, but that's certainly something that we can agree with. Uh, it hasn't been easy. It's taken us a year to, uh, to get in and get keys and get going. Um, but for me personally, and uh, something that I, I just try to bring in my life is, is I've always really been a big picture thinker, um, big picture visionary, so to speak. And I try not to get too focused on the personal details of this and that. And I just try to think about what this can be and uh, how cool it could be. And that's really what motivates me. And there's... Uh, I think I'm up to six times now, maybe seven. I've got like full goosebumps and hair standing up on my, you know, body when you're just standing here and you just you start to envision it and you start to see it. You start to see the 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 kids riding, like as we're laying this place out and we're taping it out and we're checking out the lines, I just pause and soak in it. And uh, there's been a few times where I got those goosebumps and 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 got some of the feel goods and uh, makes us feel it. It helps us. Uh, feel like we're on the right path and we're on to something. Uh, throughout the last year, there has been some, uh, obviously some word of it getting out. Uh, we were pretty tight about it at first and uh, just general philosophy. I don't like to talk about things until they're, until they're done and until it's a done deal. So that was just a personal philosophy. But at the same time, we did need to feel out um, partners within the industry i mean you're trying to build out a business you need to set up accounts we need to order equipment you know we need to like plan ahead so there's certain people in the industry that actually knew about this project before our family did uh which was kind of a kind of a funny situation to uh, to get into so um yeah it was it's it's been really interesting just how that word got out and then uh you know there was an article that we did uh with the north shore news uh couple months ago and and that took on a life of its own and kind of went everywhere and, and and got the word out it it wasn't the official word um you know the official press release so to speak but um it's been exciting and and through that word going out i guess we've had a lot of positive um confirmation um you know uh support if you would uh, a lot of people chiming in uh, whether they're riders, whether they're parents, whether they're kids, uh, whether they're industry people, there's so many people who have come forward. I've just said this is so awesome and it's so overdue and it's so needed. And that type of encouragement and that type of support has certainly helped kept us energized and uh, to give us the energy to push through these fires, ride the roller coaster and see it through. Well, I am a believer. I think it's super cool. I can't wait to ride here. I see the potential. I'm in here. I I can't wait to hug it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I applaud you guys for taking yeah. it on because there's no way it's an easy task. Well, and it's not, uh, let's be honest, this is uh, not something that I could do by myself and uh, nor would I take on by myself. We've got a great team uh, that I'm really fortunate and I feel really grateful to be a part of. Um, the whole team of owners has a really diverse skill set and uh, there's some incredible uh, people on that team. So it's a pretty cool project to be a part of just in that regard. And uh, it's pretty energizing to just spend time with the other owners and their varied skill sets and, you know, the, the contributions that they can bring to the project. 
Well, you got any more questions about the bike park? Because we can move on. Do you? Can we fast forward time to the point it's yeah. open? Yeah. Just... Are you open yet? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Can I no. buy a season's pass yet? Yeah, seriously. Soon. You seriously. will be able to buy a season's pass soon. Uh, we're actually hoping to have some uh, passes available for Christmas break. So <gasps> teams no are way. hard at work trying to get some things going. Yeah, website could go live uh, in a few days. Uh, early, okay. uh, early adopters, early passes, uh, some founders passes um, could be available in uh in just a couple of days so i'll let wow. uh i'll let uh mike and the team uh speak uh more to the specifics of that but our goal is to uh, have some things for sale in time for christmas you know i almost had one of those goosebump moments because we had a tour here maybe a couple of weeks ago and i'm just kind of looking you know just taking it as it is and then i i went home i'm like man Darren's doing a crazy project. That is insane. That place is huge. There's a lot to be done. This is going to be so cool. So I, I'm not even really a part of it, but I'm, I'm getting goosebumps too. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Yeah, it's, uh, it is pretty exciting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny. There, there's been countless moments. Uh, for instance, uh, last night I, I, I dropped off this, uh, you know, this couch and this chair. And, uh, oh, our set today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, and it was amazing. Mike and I, we just, you know, we unloaded and we, and we just sat down. And then we just soaked in it. We just start talking about, I mean, there's so many different things we could talk about. There's so many different layers to it all. And then we finish our conversation and we walk over towards something in the park and we'll catch ourselves just pausing. And there's been several days so far where I'm like packing up my tools, getting ready to call it a day. And I catch myself just standing there soaking in it for like an hour. And you just see the possibilities. You see the creativity uh you you see the potential of it all and uh yeah it's a really easy place to soak in it and get ideas and get goosebumps yeah when when this comes to life it's gonna it's gonna change a lot of lives it's yeah gonna it's gonna be uh it's monumental. gonna change 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 life in the mall too bring bring some action to the mall too it's gonna in be the mall that shall not be named it could use some action. <laughs> Anybody get that one? When it, is it like live comments? Someone checking on the comments? <laughs> yeah. You got a prize for the first one who's going to guess? We should have gone live. No. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, keep us in the loop. And uh, if you need us to do some testing and huck it, let us know. You got it. Yeah. And if you need a, a newbie to test out the green line. Dave. Dave right here. He, he's got you. He'll also test out the beer garden. Oh, yeah. Make sure mm. it's up to code. Good, good call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, Dave, what do you look for in a, in a beer garden? Uh, beer. Okay, anything else? Um, uh, low prices. Okay. Just cheap beer. Yeah. And cool. then uh, good good uh, music and stuff. Good music and stuff, yeah. I don't know, what else is in a beer garden? Proximity to jumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lederhosen? Is that little, what is that called? Oh, yeah, you, I you had it. Lederhosen. Yeah. yeah. You're thinking like a German, like yeah, that's probably the best like a, type of beer. That'd garden. be like a beer garden or something. <laughs> yeah. that would, oh man, October in the beer garden here. Oh, it's gonna be so exciting. Forget Can't wait. It. Lots of potential. Yeah, lots of potential. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about Darren. We've heard a lot about the bike park, but uh, we have an opportunity to dive deep and uh, open up those layers of the onion. So yeah. Obviously, we're huge fans of drop-in. We don't, we don't hide that at all. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's take it back a little bit before drop-in. We were curious. We were talking before the pod. What was, what was the kind of state of your career before being cast for drop-in? Where were you at? 
Uh, where was I at? I would say, um, you know, uh, where would I want to jump in? Uh, aspiring pro free rider and uh, with opportunities on the horizon. I would say it was where it was at and it was starting to get some cool opportunities and uh, probably the the biggest opportunity that I had uh, right before drop-in was um, a slot in the first Red Bull Rampage. Uh, so that was some good uh, validation that, you know, my progression as an athlete and uh, the things that I was trying to achieve on a bike were were being recognized, and that's not necessarily what it was about for me. I just I liked being a part of that wave. I liked I liked pushing the boundaries. Uh, I saw things. Um, uh, an old friend of mine from Drop In, Sean Denny, we used to joke about having line disease, and uh, <laughs> you know just can't stop scoping lines. You know, you'd be driving in the car, and you're like, oh, what about this one? And Oh, what about that one? You know, it's like, oh, I could, you could jump from here to there. And, you know, everywhere we go, we were always uh, thinking about lines to ride. But uh, pre-drop-in, um, I was always a free rider at heart. Um, I just, I viewed the the world as a canvas, so to speak. Would take my bike, would ride it. Um, a bit of a personal challenge, but um, also bringing in some of that creativity and that, that blank canvas, so to speak. I, I didn't see why you couldn't jump from here to there um but i just hadn't really seen anyone do it before and just backing up a, like a little bit further than that was i was free riding and breaking bikes and whatnot on my own actually totally oblivious to what was going on in the industry and then i saw cranked and cranked was what really struck a chord with me and that gave me that validation that holy crap there's this whole world out there in terms of opportunity and there is no limit in terms of what we could do on a bike and yeah I should keep doing this and um, so I just kept pursuing that and as I pursued that I ended up starting to get into racing and was doing some downhill racing at one point I had a, a cross-country license and uh, dual slalom license and a downhill license. And uh, you could do them all back in the day in the same weekend. Uh, progressed to a point where I was focusing more on the dual slalom and downhill and uh, was competing for the overall BC title and dual slalom. Uh, Corey LeClaire and I were having some <laughs> good, good matches back in the day with uh, LeCoach, as he goes by these days. And, uh, yeah, that was our, that was our battle for the kind of the overall circuit and the downhill circuit. And then some point along the way, I got this opportunity to, uh, manage the Norco factory team and things just kind of escalated quickly. So right before drop-in started, I was a player coach and I was actually riding on the team, but I was actually managing the team as well while on the side pursuing this real personal interest of mine of being a professional free rider. Was this, you grew up on the shore or? I didn't. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, I grew up in northern Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. Oh. I know you went to the University of Regina. I did. Excuse that, me? I would have. That's a deep so dive. Where did you find that out? Oh, I Who think I may that? have uh, looked at your uh, LinkedIn or something wow. like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> a deep dive. Did I don't even know if I had that on there. Yeah. No. But uh, yeah, they say you can't, uh, you know, you can't choose where you're from, but you can't choose where you're going. And uh you know, that in itself was, was a lot of motivation for me. So I, um, 
backing up a little bit more. You want to deep dive? Like I, 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 I was born in Northern Saskatchewan. I, well, I was actually born in Regina, raised in Northern Saskatchewan, uh, at a community called Prince Albert and a village called Waskasu, which was up in a national park. And that's where I started mountain biking. And for me, it was an outlet uh, because I devoted my childhood to playing competitive hockey. I was a goalie, and I was trying to get a college scholarship to go to school in the States. That big head. It's a big <laughs> head. A that's that. right. Yeah, see, that was the first start of the, the padding and the calluses, you know, the slap <laughs> shots. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was into it. And that was um, – that that's what I, I was determined to do. And, and I actually passed up on a lot of um, – you know, things in my adolescence because I was so committed to hockey. And uh, oddly enough, uh, just something didn't work out one day with the team um, that, quite frankly, I, I thought it was going to work out. And that was a bit of an eye-opener for me on a human level, personal level. Uh, got another opportunity, and I also thought that was going to work out. And, uh, and I lot, and I got let go and it, it was, it was quite surprised for the reason, like they were actually letting me go because of not being able to do something well enough that was something that I was given that opportunity because I was so good at that particular opportunity. Um, you know, I, I played goal, the, the bigger the game, the more pressure, the more shots I got, the better I'd play. So I, I really, early on, I really realized I was, I was thriving under pressure. And um, I played the puck really well for any hockey players out there. So as a goalie, um, you know, a lot of people viewed me as a third defenseman or a sixth player on the ice. And um, so ultimately I was let go from this hockey team because I don't play the puck enough and I don't play well enough. So that was kind of a funny journey for me, and, and my life kind of changed. It kind of turned upside down. One day I actually just realized, I think I could do this. There's some friends of mine who are doing it. There's some people who I've played with who are doing it, and they're going on to professional careers. But I just saw the light one day, and I just realized, you know what? I don't know if I actually want to spend the next 10 years of my life on the bus with the boys. Um, I like girls. I like <laughs> traveling. I like culture. I just, I don't know. I just, I did a lot of hockey and I was ready to do something else. And so I was actually, I just went back up north and went into the bush and just connected with some friends and uh, was spending some time up there to just kind of debrief. And through that, I really had an accidental encounter with mountain bike and uh, my buddy, Tim Horseman. Uh, hooked me up on his mountain bike and said, you know, if you're going to borrow my bike, you got to take it this way. And uh, I took it that way, had a great time and never really turned back and suddenly became a mountain biker. Living in the bush, we didn't have any supplies. There was no shops around and we were, uh, do you want, do you want to go like real deep dive on this? Or oh you, yeah. You real? Okay. No limits. Okay. <laughs> we want to get to the center of that onion today. <laughs> right. So our, our like typical weekend was we would, um, you know, we would load up our bikes and our bike and stuff and the canoe and we'd load it onto the Impala and we'd drive the, this gigantic car you know, out to some lake where we'd launch our canoe, put our bikes in it, we'd paddle across the lake, and then we'd use our bikes to go find, like, the free-range herd of buffalo. <laughs> what? That there's only, like, you know, two or three of in North America. 
And, you know, you go find these old, like, sacred grounds and haunted lakes and this buffalo. And so there was just this sense of adventure for us. And, um, yeah, there were some pretty fun weekends. And uh, one day we were in town just getting supplies, lube for chain, tubes, tools. They were like, hey, you should, you should uh, come to our bike race tomorrow. And uh, we all kind of looked at each other and were like, you guys race these things? Like, we literally had no idea. And uh, we showed up the next day, we did the race, and, and of course that took some convincing. Um, I did show up in dreadlocks and a tie-dye. <laughs> dreadlocks. Oh, fun fun, fact, got, fun got, fact of the day, number 6.5. You got to send us a, <laughs> yeah, we a need photo, a photo. we're going to pop it up on screen right now. I got to see that. <laughs> All right, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can uh, dig that one up somewhere. But uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, we showed up, and, um, you know, we didn't really know what to expect. We're like, what time do we show up? They're like 11 o'clock, and we're like, okay. And so we show up at like 11 o'clock, and we're like, wow, there's like a lot of cars here. And what we didn't realize was that, you know, the different stages of the race were starting at different times, and we were just in the, in the sport class. And so there we are. We're getting ready to, to, to start the event, me and my buddy Timmy and, and Justy. You know, we, uh, we had come down out of the bush. We probably hotboxed the whole way. And, uh, you know, we got down there, and uh, we're like, oh, I, 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 th I think I got it. Tim's like, I, I, I think I know what to do. We're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, tell me more. And he's like, well, just take a look around, man, like, I'm pretty sure I could take these people. Like, what do, what do you think? And, and we're all, yeah, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Tim? He's like, well, well, here's what I'm thinking. You just reel in whoever's in front of you. And as long as you just reel in whoever's in front of you, you're going to be great. So uh, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thinking, Timmy. Good thinking. Let's do that. And so we just went out on course and we're just, you know, just reeling people in. But of course, we had no idea that there was like 10 other classes out on the course so for two hours we were just reeling people in right what do you mean reeling yeah. people in uh, just if someone's in front of you just catch them okay just keep catching people you know just surely just one day you'll get to the front but we were just <laughs> you know <laughs> like i said we might add you know a little clouded judgment you know maybe a little little yeah for sure yeah. so we were just we were just reel, reeling them in reeling them in reeling them in <laughs> And uh, of course we finish and, and we're off in the, we're off in the parking lot and uh, we're having our own little app and we're having a, having a little laugh about it. And uh, you know, the event organizer is like, you got to come on down, come on down. And we're like, no, 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 it's good. We had a great time. They're like, no, you got to come down. We're like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, no, you have to come down. You guys won. Oh, we're like, oh, what? Shit. And of course we, we ended up winning our class. Uh, but the lap times they ended up posting that day were faster lap times than the top pro who had won 42 races in a row. Wow. Seven, seven year stretch. He'd won every single race. Dan Ward oh was his name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So X that was uh, back in the day of the Brico cup. And, uh, they're like, okay, so what are you doing next weekend? I'm like, Oh, just, I think we're going to go find some Buffalo. They're like, no, 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 you gotta, you gotta come to this race in Saskatoon. I was like, no, 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 that's cool. And they're like, no, no, it's you're coming. And what was the name of the cup? It was the Brico Cup. Brico Cup. Mm. Yeah, true story. You can look it up. And then, uh, anyways, this uh, I I was like, no, I just wasn't really into it. And uh, but it was serving as a suitable outlet to get away from hockey. And uh, long story short, they put me in the. They, they called my boss. They arranged it with my boss. They came and picked me up. They took me to this race. My buddies stayed behind. I think one of my buddies came. One of them stayed behind. And uh, we went to the race, we went in the pro class, Dan and I went for a, 
we went for it. We went after each other, and uh, I tried to take him down and uh, went for the sprint at the finish line, maybe went a touch too early. Lost by wheel length. Oh. And uh, but it was awesome, and they're like, "So what are you doing next weekend?" Like, <laughs> remember those buffalo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, they they insisted that I come to a Canada Cup, and uh, so they were like, called the boss, and they're picking me up, and so now they brought me out west and uh, went to a Canada Cup at Rocky Mountain House. Uh, came out west, got a glimpse of how people were riding their bike in the west. And it just hit me and just the light bulb went on. And I was like, wow, I spend four hours on my bike every day, but I'm like, I'm like grimacing in pain. You know, I'm digging deep. I'm in the pain cave. I'm trying to push through to kind of get through this barrier. And at the same time in the, in these few races that I'd been at, I, I was quickly losing interest in that style of racing because I found the tracks were getting easier and easier and there was more and more of a road influence coming in. And some of these road riders were coming in. And I was pretty choked because they were like clogging up the technical sections. They'd jump off their bikes and run. And I was like, come on, man, it's a bike race. Like, get on your bike and ride that thing. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, I see everyone like jumping and rallying and giggling and doing it all day. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm doing it wrong. And uh, basically moved out west, never went home. And then tried to establish myself out west and, of course, walked into a bike shop, tried to settle myself in Invermere. And uh, one day, a friend of mine who owns a bike shop says to me, says, well, dude, you're from Saskatchewan. And it forever, you know, put a bit of a chip on my shoulder. He's like, I can't support you. I can't sponsor you. I can't support you. You're from Saskatchewan. So... That gave me the motivation to, uh, you know, just dive deep and go for it. So I went on my own and uh, went and traveled in my van, went and did the whole BC Cup circuit, worked myself through to the point where I was, you know, going for the overall titles and the dual slalom. Um, you know, I wasn't as successful in the downhill circuit, but I was, um, you know, I definitely wasn't bottom of the pack and uh, was improving all the time each and every weekend. And, uh, you know, it just gave me motivation to be able to uh, be able to do that and be able to ride. And from there, it just kept snowballing, kept turning into something. And uh, now I'm out west. Shout out to the yeah. jerk off who uh, chirped you from being from Saskatchewan. Yeah. Have a great bike park to ride soon. So. Well, yeah. and you know, what's funny about it, too, is that, you know, I've learned it is, you know, there was a point in my life where I was actually pretty guarded about it, you know, mm -hmm. because I... You know, even when I moved out to the North Shore, people were like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I moved out here from Invermere, right? Mm. And if you hear that now, you're like, oh, I see what you did there, right? And uh, my wife and girlfriend at the time, Kelly, was like, dude, like, why don't you be proud of where you're from? Like, it's actually really cool what you've done. And I'm like, well, because I, you know, people won't give me the time of day if I tell them where I'm really from. And so, you know, it was like a, it was like a half truth, right? I did move out to North Van from Invermere. And, um, but I also learned along the way that like, do you know where Thomas Vanderham's from? Edmonton. That, that's right. Yeah. He's not from Saskatchewan, but he's from Edmonton. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Is there, there's countless riders who are from here and from there. And just like life, it really doesn't matter where you're from. So, uh, I've been, I've been out in BC for longer than I've, uh, spent in Saskatchewan. So I definitely consider BC to be my home and uh, I've lived in North Van for 22 years now. Amazing. 
I feel like if you asked me, uh, or you said you're from Invermere a while ago, I would have said, what? Where? Where is that? Where's Invermere? <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty small place. It is a pretty small place, but uh, it was a perfect spot to free ride. It, it is in British Columbia for those of you listening around. That's the world. right. It's in the Columbia Valley, and uh, honestly, it was it was really really cool. And and it, it you know that was a that was a big part of shaping myself as well. Um, you know, through my time there, I I got told, "Hey, you're from Saskatchewan. You can't do anything." Excuse me. Uh, but the other thing that was going on there is there was um, there was some super cool terrain to ride like Lyme disease was like kicking in like big time around there. I was like, Oh, I want to ride down that. I want to ride down that. Oh, I want to ride, ride off that thing. I want to jump off that. And of course everyone's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like, well, here, check this out. And, uh, so that gave me a real like stomping ground, so to speak, to be able to like hone and craft my skills as a free rider. And, and it's still got some pretty relevant terrain today. But one of the challenges with all the trails around there is all the trails are on private land. So after a while, I was actually working in the bike shop and um, trying to promote the sport of mountain biking, had started a kid's ride, you know, getting some things going, just really figuring out mountain biking actually saved my life. It, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing with myself after hockey, kind of went to a, a deep, dark place and uh, not that deep and not that dark, but definitely <laughs> was definitely depressed and was definitely dark. And um um, you know, mountain biking saved me and brought me back. So it was an opportunity for me to just do that for some of the other kids and, and create that avenue. But because all the trails were on private land, um, all the owners were like, you can ride on our trails. There's two conditions, no signs, no maps. So we were doing all these like napkin drawings and napkin doodles. And we were kind of getting tired of doing that every day. And we're like, well, you know, there's got to be a way to like, establish some trails around here so uh we of course had the idea to start up a trail building association with the hopes of establishing some trails so we co-founded well we founded uh the kootenai trail builders association which is based out of Invermere, and we established a riding zone at steamboat mountain uh, which is just north of radium and it was this close to becoming one of the first sanctioned uh, mountain bike trail networks in the province back in the day and through a change of government and the provincial government forestry office got closed and it didn't end up happening and it was really funny because at the time there were some locals who were riding on this mountain every day and I did too because I lived at the bottom of it uh, but it was identified as a bit of a sensitive zone so you know we were the good guys doing the good thing over here they were the bad guys doing the bad thing over there and fast forward 20 years, true story, we're now the bad guys who built the rogue trails over there. And they're now the good guys who actually work for the cycling club. And this whole no-go zone is now like the sanction zone at Mount Swansea. Oh, yeah. We've heard of that. Yeah, it's funny funny how there. that works. So uh, that got me involved in advocacy, um, you know, just not-for-profit work, volunteering my time, and that's something that I've been doing uh, actively over the last 20 years is always volunteering my time, always involved in not-for-profit associations, several of them uh, over the years, and a uh, bit of a deep dive into the uh, the past, what I was up to before uh, drop-in. Yeah, well, speaking of drop-in and Invermere, I, I learned about Invermere through drop-in. For sure. I think same. it was Byron? What's his last name? Byron Gray. Byron Gray. Good one. He's from Invermere. 
Am I, am I wrong about that? I, I don't know. He's not from there. He's, he's actually there? Uh, born and raised on the island. Okay. Uh, but he, too, found himself there, and uh, we established a great friendship. And he was someone who I literally just dragged out on the trails, and he quickly figured out the only way I can figure out how to ride this stuff is if I just follow him. Mm-hmm. So he would, I would take him down all kinds of, all kinds of nonsense on all kinds of bikes. I had him on like BMX bikes on super technical trails. I took Byron down Mount Seven back in the day with uh, plastic brake lever, like four finger pras- plastic brake levers. True story. All the way down Mount Seven, psychosis. And he still yeah. <laughs> liked biking. That's how after. he knew he was into it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. If you <laughs> continue well, biking after that, you're into exactly. it. <laughs> he must have a thick skull too. <laughs> yeah, actually, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Well, yeah, I was thinking about Invermere and the bike park there. We've done a couple of videos there, and nice. uh, there's actually a connection between you and Jason. Mm. Uh, Jason, tell me has, more. Has also broke both of his ankles, and it's true. You broke an ankle <laughs> at the same that, time. That was yeah, not the same time, but that was in. Panorama Bike Park. Which Panorama. Is, just, is that in Invermere or is it considered outside of Invermere? Uh, Panorama is technically, it's technically outside of Invermere, but okay. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's the same enough. zone. It's right. a local I mean, it's kind of like Burnaby. It's all Vancouver until you get here and then it's like, no, that's Burnaby, <laughs> that's Port Moody and that's, right, right. you know, yada, yada. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's a great bike park, but uh, I, I followed Jason <laughs> behind him as he uh, jumped off his bike down the cliffs of insanity and twisted his ankle 180 degrees the other mm-hmm. way. Uh, Oh, and wow. I had metal brake levers. Wow. <laughs> you ready for a fun fact of the day number seven? Yeah, I think we're at 6.9. 6.9? 6. 6. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I was part of the first trail crew at Panorama ever. Uh, we lobbied Panorama to open and build the bike park for years, uh, having lived in the area, and uh, was so grateful to be given an opportunity to be on the very first trail crew. We're going to do it. We're going to do this bike park thing. You're part of the crew. It was amazing. You want to know what we did first? Um, I'm going to say a skinny. We built a hiking trail. Oh. Ain't nobody got time for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here's the funny part is a lot of those trails, such as Cliffs of Insanity, uh, those were all the low-key lomers. You know, if you would, mm. those were the loam lines. Those oh. were all what all the locals were riding. So we used to we used to just ride up the hill and ride on the mountain. You know, and a lot of those trail, a lot of their best trails were, were trails that we rode in back in the day and, uh, you know, officially became part of the park oh, awesome. in, in time. But, uh, yeah, funny story. Well, let's dive into drop-in. How, okay. how were you cast for the, to be on the crew? Well, so back in that time when we were living in Invermere, traveling around, doing some free riding, doing some racing, uh, I started to connect with this crew out of Nelson, Mike Kinraid, uh, Dylan Tremblay, Sean Denny, Jeremy Grant, and Byron lived in Invermere. So we had connected. Um, Byron and I were racing bikes in Rossland one weekend, and uh, we met Dave Sweatland, uh, Sweaty as he's known. Uh, and he was a... Just taking a moment here for Sweaty. He's no longer with us, but a real integral part of my career and uh, many others. Um, we uh, we met Sweaty. It was amazing. And uh, we really connected and we should do some riding together and, and just kind of throughout that weekend that we ended up meeting Mike and Dylan and Jeremy and and they were kind of doing this film thing. So they were doing the racing circuit as more of like, professional development and more of a means to travel and check out different zones. And so 
I think we met in Rossland and then we were going to a race like the next weekend in Kelowna and we started doing this filming thing and they were like, Oh wow. Like you're, you're like really into this like free riding thing. And they're like, what about your racing? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of just doing that for fun. Like this is where my heart is, is like doing this, doing this stuff. So we actually started to film together travel together. Uh, we did a, a movie together. Uh, one of the most unknown movies in the mountain bike world, but one of the best it was called the second coming. And uh, it's a hard one to find. <laughs> you got a copy? Yeah, do you have a copy? I, you know what? I've been asking everyone for a copy. I've been asking Jeremy, asking Dill, asking Mike, because it's got some really cool segments in it. Uh, and, and I think one of my best segments that I've ever put together. And true story, I was putting away Halloween stuff, getting out Christmas stuff, and I found a bin and I found an old VHS of it. So I'm definitely going to digitize it. And let uh, me know if you need a hand. I can do that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, master. All right. <laughs> hey, Matt. I need a hand. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm a little busy. Uh, why ask someone else? <laughs> but yeah, we were. Uh, so we were. We were traveling around, doing our thing, doing our free riding, doing our racing, and then and then we had kind of formed this posse, and then we made this movie, and then through that, um, Dylan and Sean were. Um, Oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank of the name. It's old school BMX video. Um, props. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So you know, nice Dylan and Sean one. love love watching the props videos, and so we were getting into the props videos and just that style of it. And it's like you know we should do this for mountain biking. Like this would be awesome to like put something like this together. So it was actually Dylan's idea to put together drop in no of of to doing this and. Um, Dylan had the idea, but Mike was, he was actually amazing at running a production company. And then Jeremy is this, who's like, you know, one of the top editors in the, in the mountain bike world these days. He had all these skills. And so all this kind of came together and then somehow they ended up pitching it and ended up connecting with Mike and Tim, which was fall line productions. And all of a sudden, like a few months later, we're like, Hey guys, we, we got this like TV show. We're going to do this TV show. And we're like, what are you, are you kidding? And uh, poof, just like that. Like it all happened really, really quick, pretty organically. All of a sudden it was all coming together. And uh, there we go. Going to do drop in the TV show. And uh, it's really cool because that was 2002, 20 years ago. And uh, there, were, there were some years, like we've, we've stayed in touch with everyone like i still have a great friendship with mike i have a great friendship with byron i have a great friendship with sean uh great friendship with dylan great friendship with jeremy but we had actually like never got together again and uh uh it was around um i think it was like mikey's mikey mikey kinraid stag uh before he was getting married uh and nelson we actually finally got the band back together and it was amazing we did not miss a beat at all <laughs> we just clicked right in just jumped right back into it and uh yeah it's a pretty special bunch of characters for sure Bond i think the, I think the guy in the background is, isn't missing a beat either no <laughs> he's I don't going think... hard what are they doing building the <laughs> mega ramp right now the whacking whacking something whack-a-mole yeah <laughs> sorry to cut you off he's trying, yeah, to no order, he's trying to get order in the court i believe <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i guess you were pretty excited for that kind of well you guys didn't know it was gonna be it was the intention for it to be a TV show or? You I mean, at that point we were, we were happy with anything. I mean, we were just, you know, we're like 
25-year-old dirtbags just dreaming of, like, trying to do something, you know. We're just trying to figure out a way just to make mountain biking work. We just really, all we knew was that we really liked mountain biking. We really liked doing it together. Uh, we really liked just the, the direction, the, you know, the progression of it all. And uh, we were just trying to figure it all out. So whether it was doing a TV show, movie, didn't really matter to us. And, uh, you know, then somehow this opportunity came out to be, do a TV show and say, hey, do you want to do this? And it was like, yeah, of course. So it'd be amazing to be able to do it together. So we dove in and did it. So season one, episode one, you guys go to Drumheller, yeah. uh, Alberta. Um, and uh, things take a turn. Tell us about Drumheller. Yeah, which turn are we talking about? <laughs> well, I don't know, actually. There's <laughs> a lot of turns. There's <laughs> a lot of turns, a lot of drops. Well, I mean, For sure. well, you know, we were 10 years old at the time watching. Yeah. Best show ever. I can't believe there's a mountain bike TV show. And, and uh, yeah, I was just explaining this this accident that you had to, to Dave. And uh, kind of you're testing this drop and you, you think it's going to go and you finally go for it and, well, see that that was that was that was actually episode eight. Nope. So was it? Yeah, that was episode eight. Yeah, Drum Heller was episode one, and I made it through episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and part of eight. Was it? It was. Okay. That, well, yeah. Well, I'm you know. Now because well, yeah. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my bad because I, I was looking at the. It's all good. It was on, a long uh, time ago. Okay. Well, let's just restart that segment to okay. cut all that out. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the wrong website. What are you suggesting there, Dave? That wasn't me. <laughs> what the heck was that? I'm restarting. <laughs> okay. Back to the uh, oh, well, that, I'm confused then because I was on YouTube looking at I'm so glad that they uploaded all the drop-in episodes to YouTube. So if you're wondering what the heck you, drop-in is, go watch it. Go watch it on YouTube. But I, I thought I was on ep- season one, episode one, and I, I didn't think that that happened right away because I do vividly remember watching the season 17 times in a no, row. No, but, but it's... All it, right. it, it, you tell the story. <laughs> all right sounds good yeah we got uh you know that's where it all started was in was in when in in drum heller and uh that was where the first episode was and and it was amazing just when it all started like we couldn't believe it was happening you know it was going to be this real thing we we're going to be doing it and uh you know then when we all got there we got to do it there were there was like a couple little business items we had to sort out and so you know we we sorted that out and we actually had to have a have a team chat and get all those things just resolved and how this was going to work and how it was going to go. And, you know, there was a real balance between the production and the riders, you know, if you would. And there's seven point fun facts, 7.5, I would say 90% of the things that you saw on screen for drop-in season one were being ridden for the very first time. So that was a real challenge um, in that whole production is us as riders, we're going to this new venue and we're riding on new trails that had never been down before. And we're essentially riding from sun up to sundown, uh, trying to capture the good light. And, you know, then there was like travel in between. And what would happen is we go to a new venue and we'd want to like go scope it out and just we were wise enough to know that we had to keep ourselves safe, right? And just warm ourselves up to be able to do it every day and and, uh, and what have you. So we would uh, get to a venue, we'd want to ride it, and we'd have a chat with the production crew. We're like, hey, are you cool if we just do a warm-up lap? And then we'll go back up, we'll go hit it, we'll go throw some tricks down, we'll do that kind of stuff. And um, they'd be like, yeah, that's totally cool, but if you don't mind, we'd love to bring the cameras. 
because we want to capture part of the process. And then every single time we'd finish that warm up lap, the riders would be like, okay, cool, let's go, let's get up there, let's hit it, I'm going to do this off that, I'm going to go through this off that. And, you know, people are pondering their little bits of style that they were going to throw in here, throw in there. And every single time it was met with a production company. And all due respect to them, they're like, hey, we've got a schedule to keep, we've got to move on, sorry, we got enough footage, we're going to move on to the next spot. And this happened every day, all the time. And that was actually incredibly challenging to work through. Um, but most of the viewers don't know that. So I just thought I'd share that fun little fact is when you're looking at that footage and you're like, why didn't he do this or why didn't they do that? And a lot of cases it was because I was literally riding something for the first time and sometimes even blind. I think we can kind of really, I don't know if you saw, but this summer we did a, a series very inspired by Drop-In called the Island Ride Park Tour. Went to five bike parks here in BC. And it's the similar style, you know, the sit down, talking interviews mixed with the riding and going to the locations and experiencing it. But I think a lot of people don't realize just how long filming takes yeah. and how tired, like all those weeks on the road get. So you, we got slower at doing everything because you're like, oh, I'm sore. It's hard to wake up today. I'm hungry. I'm and hungry. also we were filming it ourselves. So <laughs> we, didn't so have, we didn't have the camera crew. We were the production crew and the riders yeah. on that one. But we weren't hucking ourselves anywhere near as gnarly as you guys. That's for sure. Exactly. No, but it's a, it's a neat thing, right? It, it's, you know, and it, and it touches on so much of this production is there is actually so much that goes on behind the scenes. So that gave us like a real, real insight into that. But it's, I would summarize it as it was one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life, but it was also one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life because we were having to ride, you know, on command, you know, on schedule, oh, the light's good now, oh, the light's not good now. One of the biggest struggles was we were hungry and like true story. We were like, can we get groceries? And it was like, well, um, we just got you groceries. And we're like, yeah, like th three or four days ago. Right. And there's like five to seven people on the bus and you're out there doing 16 hour days and you're, you know, it's not like you're just hanging out or being creative, like you're physically exerting yourself. So when you, when you would delay that grocery shop, by the time we got groceries, we were so hungry that we'd probably overeat a little bit. Right. And then it would deplete the grocery supply. So it, it kind of turned into these, you know, these spikes. Oh, we have food and no, we don't have food. Oh, we have food and we don't have food. Um, but I, I saw people brush their teeth with Gatorade because we didn't have water. We had Kokanee beer, we had Red Bull energy drink, and we had Gatorade as a sponsor, but we did not have water all the time. Oh, no. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so there's your, there's your fun fact number eight for the day. <laughs> oh, my. Was, was McDonald's a sponsor, too, or is that season two, maybe? Uh, definitely not when we were. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the show the show uh, evolved a little bit over time. And, uh, you know, personally, there was there was a time. And I, I don't mean to dig on the show at all because it's it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Uh, it's an experience I'll remember forever. Uh, still 20 years later, almost... Almost every week it gets brought up. I would say every month it gets brought up. Uh, but there was a time where even a couple of years ago where every single week I would encounter somebody who had mentioned drop-in or, the, you know, the impact that it had on their life or, you know, oh, I used to watch that after school or, oh, I really look up to you or I really look up to so-and-so. And so, -and -so. It, was a, it was a really neat thing. Um, 
when I injured myself in episode eight, um, which I can tell you the story about after if you'd like, um, that recovery took a long time and there was part of me that wanted to get back out there and, uh, you know, just for myself, you know, to get back out there. Uh, but also just to show the users, I had, had so many other viewers and, and, and people who followed the show were like, what happened to that guy? Where'd he go? And I thought it'd be really cool to get back out there. But at the same time, I, I saw the show kind of changing and even still having some friends within the show. It, it, it started to turn a little bit more jackassy, you know, and a little bit more pranky. And, and that was definitely a separation from the way that I like to live my life and the way that I like to represent myself and represent the sport. So, you know, there came a time where, you know, that show evolved. So I don't know there were McDonald's sponsorship came in. There's definitely wasn't a McDonald's. There were, there was, there was minimal food on the first year. No yeah, if there was anywhere. a McDonald's sponsorship, it was like, you know, somebody is like, you know, throwing down for a, you know, happy, I don't even know what the meals are called. I don't even eat there anymore, but some <laughs> kind of happy discount meal, something. Well, what was like rock bottom on that bus? Did it, was it as gnarly as it looked? Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the bus, uh, yeah. I mean, you could imagine, I mean, it's uh, you know, it was uh seven, uh, seven or so. Cause sometimes we'd like pick up guests and stuff. And I mean, yeah, we were, we were living on the bus. We were sleeping on the bus or like all of your sweaty gear and stuff. And um, yeah, we were grown men, but we were only 25 year old grown men. So, you know, we didn't quite stink as bad as maybe like forty-five-year-old. <laughs> you were sweaty man, yeah. But so. I mean, still, it. But we were also maybe just oblivious to it. Maybe, maybe it did stink worse or even you know as bad. Uh, but we were just so oblivious to it. I mean, we were we we were living the dream. I mean, we were traveling around, riding our bikes, and uh, you know, making making a TV show and a movie at the same time. Uh, so that was uh, Riders Anonymous was the movie that we were doing at the time uh, through MPF Productions. I don't remember that either. Is that oh, yeah. it? It went to, to distribution? It did. Yeah, Ray Sport deli- uh, distributed both of those movies, Second Coming and Riders Anonymous. Uh, both of them by MPF Films, Mysterious Penguin Films by uh, Mikey Kinraid and Jeremy Grant. No way. Do you have a copy of that one too? I do. Digitize them. We need I to. We need All to right. see. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to uh, bring those ones to life. Yeah, yeah it was absolutely. it was in the bin that I just found. So Sick. a little bin full of gold found in the basement. Do you have a highlight that comes to mind in your dropping experience? Um, you know, for me, just overarching, it's the lifelong bond and friendship. You know that we established. Like we we could all not see each other for years, and uh, we don't skip a beat. Um, but that. The fact is, is that we do still see each other. We see each other all the time. We're all just spread out now. Um, you know, Mikey's still in Nelson. Jeremy's still in Nelson. Jeremy's doing his thing. Mike's had some, you know, he's had some, he's growing family and just got a house. And, you know, he's, he's had some, you know, he's going on his like personal thing that, that he's working out. And then Jeremy's still traveling the world doing his editing. Sean's been going through some career changes and he's got a growing family. He's got a couple kids. He's been getting into like BMX racing and what have you. Uh, Dylan's back out on the island. Uh, Byron's back out on the island. They're kind of in different spots. And so as they get the opportunity to travel around the province for work and, and for pleasure and whatnot, every time we're in these communities, we always hit each other up. We always say, hey, and uh, we always try to connect for a ride and then some. Amazing. Yeah. So that's probably... That's probably the highlight for me is just that that overarching bond and friendship that we'll always have, um, you know, forever. I, I can't say there's one other particular thing that really stands out as, like, you know, the best part. 
You know, it's a good Ex- answer. Mm-hmm. There was a few times where you know the camera wasn't rolling, and uh, they were like, "Oh, that was awesome! That was awesome!" Let me get the camera. It's like, okay, okay, cool. I got it. Okay, okay, do that again. That was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> It's so hard to just recreate those. It, it's impossible, right? And yeah. there's so many times that happened. It was pretty, pretty humorous thing for us to uh, to go through. We're clearly not actors, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't really like the pranky aspect of uh, dropping, maybe don't watch the Island Ride Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't mind uh, people oh, having yeah. a good time, but it's just when you know when it starts to come to just like wrecking stuff, and you know, oh, okay. just like. Just yeah, that's that's where it's just I just I don't need to wreck people's stuff. I just have too much respect for everybody. Just I don't like wrecking shit. So, I gotcha. Yeah. What what, what was the low, lowest point on uh, drop in for you? Uh, you know, leaving the tour, watching the bus roll away. I mean, I didn't even get to watch the bus roll away, but it rolled away in my head, and uh, that was super hard. You know, it was. Uh, um. Yeah, you know, you, you you like to finish what you start. Um, you like to be able to get back up. Um, and uh, not being able to get back up from that one was pretty hard. But uh, just that separation of, you know, the show must go on, the show must continue, um, and have a, having the crew leave, that was, that was pretty hard. I, it's not something I hold against anyone. Um, you know, it was just, just a harsh reality of... Uh, you know, one man, one man down, and he's staying down. Um, although Byron, being the legendary human that he is, with a heart of gold, for anyone who knows him, uh, he wouldn't leave. So he stayed with me uh, in Vancouver. I was in the hospital in Kamloops. So episode eight okay. uh, in Kamloops, where I crashed and uh, shattered both my heels. So it wasn't quite an ankle break, but a lot of people, you know, says ankles, but that's what I. Technically what it was, I shattered both my heels and uh, Byron stayed with me in the hospital. I had to stay in the hospital for a few days until swelling went down enough to just be able to manage, you know, some of the pain and some of the discomfort. And then uh, they put me in an ambulance and they drove me back to Vancouver and uh, Byron uh, came with me, uh, maybe had it was a little foggy. I can't remember where my van was. Somehow my van got home, but uh, Byron was there with me, and he made sure I made it home to the North Shore. And uh, and then he reunited with the uh, with the trip with the crew after that. You know what was pretty wild was um, because we were filming uh, a TV, TV show and a movie. Um, there was there was a few angles of it, and so we went, when we got into the hospital, they're like, "What happened?" They would just be like, "Here." And they'd show them the video and they'd be like, oh, has he been to x-ray yet? They're like, yeah, he just got back from x-ray. And it's like, send him again. And they just kept sending me back to x-ray because the only thing that appeared to be broken was my calcaneus, which is the heel bone. Um, But I had uh, broken them real good and there didn't appear to be any other injuries, but the doctors essentially could not believe that I didn't break my back. Um, and I'm super lucky. Like I, I, I came up two feet short, literally and figuratively, um, from the transition. But oddly enough, in that same summer, uh, Tarek Rasuli actually crashed in Kamloops, and that's when, you know, he he began his life uh, in a wheelchair. 
and he made the transition. And so one of the fears that I actually have, like in hindsight, I wonder about is like making that transition landing from a, you know, 26, 27 foot high vertical drop uh, down to the road. But then if you land on an angle, your feet slipping out and then hitting your back. And because I landed on the flat, uh, I just compressed and my heels exploded. Um, so that was super harsh. I mean, the, the pain was um, borderline uh, unbearable. Um, it was pretty shocking for my um, my crew, my, my, my family at that time. Because um, nobody really knew what to do. And, you know, it, I think everyone was in denial that it actually happened. Um, and I don't know if it was just, just instinct or if it was, you know, uh, uh, survival mode, but I actually coordinated my own first aid from my back with my feet dangling. Uh, so Byron and Mike were there to help me and to manage pain. I was pulling, well, at first I started to shove my gloves in my mouth and I was chewing on my gloves and I was actually like chewing through my gloves. Like just, you know, when you're just like gritting your teeth so tight. And then it got to a point where I remember pulling a tumbleweed out of the ground and just root system and all. Just like, you know, chew on this dirty root uh, for a little bit to manage the pain. So that was, uh, that was a pretty harsh experience to be able to go through. Um, but... Uh, it's these experiences in life that define us, right? And as much as that was lousy and it took me three years to recover from it, uh, it made me who I am today. And for that reason, I, I have no regrets uh, about it. But um, yeah, I, I shattered my calcaneus and the way they described it was each bone was in like eight or nine pieces and then there was a you know 20 to 30 crumbs and a bunch of dust that's what my heels looked like so just chatting with the surgeon about you know how they fixed that up uh first thing they did was they sent me back to to north van and i had to just lay there and let the swelling go down to a point where they could actually operate on it and then once they operate on it they they open you up so I've got, uh, you know, these L-shaped scars that go on the outside of my, my heels. They flap you open and they, they essentially take a shop vac and they vacuum all the dust out of there and they glued some of the crumbs and stuff back in there and then they use screws and the x-rays. They, they just look like wood screws and uh, some steel plates that go along the side of my feet. So I've got um, three and a half steel plates and 19 screws that are still holding my heels together today. They're still in there. Still in there. And they, they have to be for the rest of your life kind of thing? No, they don't. They Some people get them removed. Um, and some people who've had them removed insist on getting them removed. And they definitely recommend getting them removed. But for me at that time, like, um, like I spent six months having to lay in bed with my legs elevated, injecting myself with blood thinners every day. Um, that was pretty harsh. Um, after that, I could get out and move around, but I was still confined to a wheelchair. So I pretty much had like a year in a wheelchair, uh, legs elevated, casts. Um, and then once I got through that, then I, then I could progress to like two crutches. Uh, then I got into like 
one crutch. Then I got into a cane. And then after about two years, I got to a point where I like to think I could blend in with a crowd. You know, if I just went to a public setting, I would just look like anyone else. Nobody else would know uh, anything was going on. And I could ride my bike kind of like around town, but I, I was nowhere near like my athletic 100%. Uh, and that took another year to get back there. So, you know, to your question about like getting the hardware out is for me just after three years of rehab, I was just tired of it. I was just, I'm good. <laughs> I was just tired of the, you know, the physio, the doctor's appointments, just the, the checkup, the pool time. And my strategy at the time was like, I'm just going to go with this for a bit. And if it becomes problematic, then I'll get it out. Um, and now I've just worked myself up to a point where I could do pretty much anything at a really high level again. So I've got some character. I've got some limitations. Like my 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 feet work very linear. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of um, you know lateral flexion, uh, not a lot of movement in in that regard. Uh, I don't run anymore. I scurry. Uh, it's like, you know, it's just like a fast, you know, shuffle. Like the Flintstones kind of? Yeah, kind of, yeah. So it's just, you know, it's like, but I can do it pretty good. It's like. like a really fast penguin? <laughs> but I, I used to be a pretty fast runner, and I just, I can't really run anymore. Maybe um, uh, you should get some uh, Heelys for this place. Yeah, well, we've, we've, we've learned that wheels are wheels are good here. So I've always got wheels on my <laughs> bikes. i got wheels in my bags, but uh yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where if it becomes problematical, get it out. But I can I can ski, I can snowboard, I can mountain bike. You know, I can play hockey. I could do all these things at a pretty high level, and nobody would even know that I have an injury um, that affects me. Um, sometimes in the morning, uh, or sometimes after a long period of time sitting down. So if I go do an activity and then I sit down for a while. Then when I get up, I kind of have to re-warm up my body. So hanging out with me for a while, you'll notice I stand a lot. I don't sit a lot. And sometimes that's just to keep me keep me going. So once I sit down, then uh, I might fall asleep too because well, I, I, uh, I do listen, lots of stuff. I listened to an interview with you and you said you believe in uptime, not downtime. So that's that right. makes sense. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so while I was down... Um, I did a few things. So one of the great human beings in my life, John Starcevic, uh, he knocked on my door one day when I was laying in bed and uh, opened the door and uh, he said, you're going to need this. And he handed me a bass guitar and an app and a book. And it's like, there you go. You're going to need this. And I'm like, all right. So um, that was kind of my reintroduction to music. I mean, I puttered with music a little bit when I was younger, but never really had the attention span. Um, so that was a real start for me. But then I started to just get in touch with my artistic self. I used to do a lot of art when I was younger. So I started doing a lot of drawing, um, a lot of creative work, a lot of coloring. I did. I started to do a lot of doodling. I've actually come across my own doodles. I drew an indoor bike park, <laughs> found the doodle the other day. Uh, which is pretty neat. And uh, I also went to multimedia school in a wheelchair. So um, because I was doing some carpentry work on the side and I was working as a, as a pro free rider, the doctors were recommending that I go into a new career that's not so physically demanding. And I qualified for a grant to retrain myself. And uh, 
So I went to school at Emily Carr, UBC, a joint program, multimedia studies, and uh, just tried to make it count. So there I was, wheeling myself into school and uh, just trying to, like I said, turn downtime into uptime. So trying not to dwell on things, uh, a bit of an optimist, just trying to make it work. And so when anyone's injured, you know, I, I often get people seeking out to me uh, for advice, and that's that's probably my number one advice is just try to figure out a way to use the time to your advantage because we probably all have something that we'd like to do or one day I'd like to do this, one day I'd like to do that. So do that. Well, we are grateful that you could share that story again with us because I know it's, you know, it's kind of horrific to have to relive it and retell the details and relive the pain. And I'm sure a million people ask you all the time and we're just another one of those people asking you, can you retell us everything about dropping, but we are big fans at heart. So thank you. Well, and it's cool. And I appreciate it. Cause you, you clearly, you clearly are fans, you know, you clearly did follow and, and, uh, you know, you, you might get a different, you, you, you will definitely get a different version. I mean, I don't tell the whole story to everyone all the time and, uh, there's definitely shortened versions of it, but, uh, for those of you who are interested in knowing more and uh, who followed the show, you know, really happy to share because uh, it had a huge impact on my life and shaped who I am today. So something that I'm, I'm actually pretty grateful for going through. When people ask you about the story, just say, ah, just watch the podcast. Have you seen the podcast? <laughs> just go there. Yeah. I'm not telling you anything. Well, and it's, and it's one of those things, too, where it's on a personal level, um, you know, it's it's not the greatest thing. Like, like, let's be honest, I pride myself in being a good rider. And, and actually being a really diverse rider and being able to ride in a whole bunch of different disciplines at a really high level. But, you know, it's like, oh, hey, Darren, you're the guy that crashed. You're the guy that crashed. Oh, aren't you that guy that wrecked himself on TV? And so, you know, um, and I'm also a bit of a humble person, so I don't exactly put a whole bunch of content of myself out there. Maybe that's to a fault, but that's just a reality of who I am. And uh, so that's just kind of an, an overarching thing that people encounter. I mean, even, even here on the job site, Wayne, our general contractor is like, Oh yeah, I heard you're a pretty good rider. And then I went and Googled you and saw your crash. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. You had to watch that. Cause it's a, uh, it's a tough watch. You know, it's not an easy thing to watch. Right. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I, I'm, I personally, I don't like watching crash footage. So I don't watch a lot of crash footage period. Um, and, and that one's not an easy one to watch either. Right. It's heavy. It's hard. Yep. Jason, do you have the screws out of your ankle? Mm-hmm. Do you have no hardware anymore? Mm-mm. Okay. How'd it go for you? You happy you did it? Yeah. Happy you got it out? Yeah. For me, I ski. And because the screws were like in the, in, I don't know what you call it, perpendicular yep. to my tibia and fibula. Yeah. Uh, when I clamped down a ski boot, I could feel it. And I don't know about you, but on like cold mornings. Oh, yeah. You can feel it. Oh, yeah. And you're like, ah. And. It was just one of the, I agree, like I did all the physio, not as long, not yeah. as hard as yours, but um, I had that thought of like, oh, I got to do it again. And the, I think it was just my surgeon was like, just, just do it. He was like, just do it yeah. now yeah. and get it over with. And I, so I did. And here we are. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I've heard, uh, I've heard great stories from people who have got it out and, uh, but you know, there's risks that come with surgery. Totally. So it's I'm not, not oppo- I'm not opposed to getting it out, but unless things become like super problematic, I'm just going to keep running what I brought. Totally. Jason was super lucky because where he crashed was in a practice, like it was a practice lap on a race course and there was a medic right there. So he got the laughing gas. And nice. 
no immediate. Time. Yeah, immediate. <laughs> but that was a rough. I took day. down some. Uh, I took down a whole tank of laughing gas. Apparently, on the way to the hospital from Thanks. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we've uh, never done that before. <laughs> you want to take some home? Yeah. There you go. Fun fact number eight, eight point four. Oh, I love yeah. that whole tank. Well, we got one more thing uh, here for you, Darren. But first, I just want to thank you for uh, you know always giving us the time. You've always we we first get, met you when we were groms, and we we're. You always gave us time, and you've been a great friend to us over the years. So cool. Well, thank you thank, very much. Thank you, and uh, yeah, like I said, we're rooting for you here, and we want to be a part of it any way we can. So, well, that's awesome. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, love what you guys are doing. So happy to support it. Uh, but first, before we leave, we have a game. All right. And uh, Dave, did we get a new song? Or are we still no. going? Okay, we're working on a new <laughs> song because we're scared the copyright's going to bite us in the ass one day. But. <laughs> <laughs> but for now we got the same song all right we're gonna play a game of this or that we have a list of how many we have today 25 25 this or that's we're gonna read them out and you choose one or the other okay and there's no winners there's no losers all right only players <laughs> seymour or from seymour cyprus or seymour seymour from or cyprus Oh well, it's a proximity in my house. <laughs> so many factors. Trail, trail, trail quality. Uh, Cypress. Teeter totters or wall rides? Wall rides. Ladies only or seventh secret? Ladies. IPA or stout? IPA. Wearing old roach. <laughs> sorry, let me try again. Wearing old roach full shin pads on a five hour ride or having no dropper post on a five hour ride? Oh, high post in it for sure. <laughs> so you're taking the shin pads, or <laughs> no? I get I get to rock the high post. I get I get to go. Well, yeah, I'm gonna rock the uh, the high post and uh, avoid the uh, the chafing. Get a few more giggles in. Gotcha. Yeah. Riding in the pouring rain or riding in the searing heat. Uh, I'll take the heat. Dirt or concrete pump tracks. Dirt every time. Skinnies or roller coasters. Like like riding them like a ladder bridge like mm -hmm. uh, yeah riding uh, skinnies riding in a chamois that hasn't been washed in five days or riding in knee pads that haven't been washed in five weeks who washes their knee pads come on we already know where this one's going I wash my knee you don't yeah, wash, I wash your my knee, pads? knee pads all the time no I never wash my knee <laughs> that's pads gross. that's disgusting <laughs> either way that's pretty nasty but I'll I'll take nasty knees over nasty bits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I sweat for anyways, this isn't about me. Pow or loam? Uh loam. Shuttling or pedaling? Pedaling. New World Disorder or cranked? Well, cranked. I mean it was the OG. Got us going. North Shore Extreme or Ride to the Hills? Well, I mean I love Digger, but uh Ride to the Hills was pretty influential as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a nod out to Ride to the Hills. Jumps or steeps? Oh man, I I like my jumps. We'll go for some jumps. Rock or hip hop? Uh, I think rock captures more, so I'm gonna go rock on that one. What do you play? What's what's your band? You, ba you playing a band? Yeah. yeah, I do play in a band. What kind of music? Uh, it's a bit of a mix of reggae, blues, classic rock, and uh, some boat rides. Okay, great. Magazine cover or movie segment? Movie segment. Always having dry mouth or always having bad gas? Oh, shit. 
shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go dry mouth because he could uh, he could resolve that and and minimize your impact to others. <laughs> Would you rather have spaghetti for hair or sweat mayonnaise? Uh, spaghetti hair. Bike mag or decline? Oh, he's thinking about his friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, like longevity, and you know, it's like there's a lot of bike mag history. Decline was really cool for a bit, but it also had a bit of a rough patch where it wasn't that cool. So he's going. I gotta go, bike mag. Bike mag. New school. It's okay. We're putting you in this position. It's fine. Hey, it's all good. New school or old school? Ah, uh, new school. Photo shoot or video shoot? For what? Mountain biking. <laughs> <laughs> Lingerie model. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go video because he can always, uh, you know, grab a screenshot. Yeah, this guy's a hard Whoa, worker. Everybody always says photo because they're lazy. Good, good for you. Yeah. Good brakes or good suspension? Uh, good suspension. Free ride or racing? Free ride. And finally... Brushing your teeth with water or brushing your teeth with Gatorade? I'll take water every time. All right. <laughs> That's all. You are a winner and a loser. That was legit. <laughs> <laughs> On this game, you're both. We, we should start giving away prizes, I think, somehow, and, like, take a tally. I don't know. We mm. got we to gotta, we gotta up the ante mm -hmm. somehow. But it was a good performance on that one. Yeah, I, I love it. A couple, a uh, couple of tricky questions in there. You know, it is hard to choose, but you know. Yeah, I mean, the biking ones you were pretty good at, and once it got to spaghetti hair or mayonnaise, <laughs> sweating mayonnaise. Yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of hair, so you know, it's like uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you used to though. We got to see the dreads. Yeah, for sure. Back in the day, right? <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Um, anything you want to kind of promote or lead people to? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm a bit of a humble character, so you know, tough, to, uh, tough to get me to uh, promote much. But uh, just really excited about obviously the new project yeah. here, and uh, I just really appreciate op the opportunity. You know, I get so many questions over the years: where do you go? What do you do? I'm still alive? I'm still here? I'm still a legend? Yeah. Wh where can people follow along uh, North Shore Bike Park? Uh, North Shore Bike Park, pretty easy to find. I mean, NorthShoreBikePark.com.ca. I mean, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube. Uh, you could track me down through North Shore Bike Park or Endless Biking. Uh, you know, a lot of different, a uh, lot of different things on the go. Just trying to stay active in the community and and help create and, and craft great experiences and and help get more people access to our sport. You know, sport had such a big impact on my life. I just want to share that with others. So that's really what drives me and. Uh, Let's ride bikes. Beauty. Uh, so the show is called Feeding Off Each Other. Do you, are you well fed today? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm pretty well fed today. You know, I always start with a good breakfast and I had a good lunch too. <laughs> and, and within this conversation, metaphorically, like metaphorically, <laughs> yeah, buddy, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> that, you thank, you thanks for that. See, and sometimes I miss it, right? But oh it's, yeah, it uh, does say metaphorically here yeah. on the uh, yeah. notes. Here, yeah. I should have said metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good, and hopefully, hopefully, got enough for you. Hopefully, didn't ramble on too much about the, uh, you know, the buffalo and. Oh no, and, we yeah, love buffalo. You know, some of the drop-in stories, and, you know. But uh, like I said, he wanted a deep dive, so I tried to give it to you. I'm just glad we didn't run out of memory card space this time. That's mm -hmm. a win for us. Mm -hmm. 
All right, thanks for listening. Awesome. Please remember to subscribe and rate our show on whatever platform you're listening. And uh, we know rating podcasts is for nerds, but if you drop a banger review on Apple Podcasts or comment on YouTube, we will read it on air, and I will personally send you a fresh pack of stickers. But we're yet to do that because the thing is when you leave a review, you can't really leave your personal information. We kind of figured this out in the last one. Right. Right. But well, uh, the offer's there. I want to send you guys stuff, so <laughs> let's yeah. figure that out as we go. <laughs> But uh, also check out our store, mahalomydude.com. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. And as always, thank you for listening to Feeding Off Each Other. Please subscribe for more great podcasts.